Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Welcome citizens, another edition of New Amsterdam Radio coming at you. Plobo Boys here, of course, the mayor in the mayor's office. And for those who keep the score, of course, I just got re-elected by the citizens of New Amsterdam. More time with the mayor. <laughs> Hope you guys are doing A-OK as we roll into the end of 2022. It just seems like 2019 was just last week, but it also feels like it's 10 years away as well. Got some things cooking. I um, just want to give a little bit of a heads up. I think after next week's episode, I'm going to be going on a little bit of a hiatus myself. I know sometimes you got to step aside and uh, time some moments to recharge. I'm going to go on a little bit of a trick, a trek, a trip, all kinds of literative things uh, to the United Kingdom for a couple of days. And so there will probably be a break. But don't worry, we'll be back in 2023 with more episodes. Just want to give everyone a heads up if this show is part of your normal weekly rotation. In the meantime, if there's anyone that you want to hear next year, let me know by hitting up the show at New Amsterdam on that Instagram and at new underscore Amsterdam on that Twitter. Sponsored by SeatGeek, of course, when I try to figure out what's going on in my town, I use SeatGeek for tickets and you can too. Use promo code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O for $20 off of your first order. Huh, isn't that rad? My guest this week is someone operate in a similar circle that I do. For those of you that know, it's a lot of slashes to what I do, but my main job, my day job, isn't really a day job at all. It's a night and weekends job. I am a event mobile wedding DJ. And so it's kind of cool to have another mobile event wedding DJ, Nick Scott, on the show. Being able to talk about the craft and the unique challenges of, of the balance of music and commerce and being a concierge for your clients is something that we can all pull from, whether or not you spin records or not. So you'll enjoy my chat with DJ Nick Scott. Tell a friend about the show, newamsterdam.com. That's K-A-W, amsterdam.com. And of course, I am always on that Twitter sphere personally, at Flobo Boyce. That's F-L-O-B-O-B-O-Y-C-E. Enough of my rambling. It's now time for my chat with DJ Nick Scott. Welcome back to New Am Sam Radio, the podcast for creators. It is I, the mayor, Flubber Boys, in the mayor's office. Hang with people who are doing the dang thing. And my guest does the thing I do. Gets with the ones and twos, makes the music happen, moves a crowd, and gives out all the vibes and does it. The price is right. I'm just kidding. Please welcome Nick Scott to the show. How's it going, sir? It's going great. And I might have to hire you to be my official hype man. That was fantastic. <laughs> well, I, I don't pay my guests. I can put that on every YouTube video I ever make in the future. That was... Usually have to pay good money for something like that. Oh, yeah, man. Well, like I said, I don't pay my guests. That's the best you get. So let's talk about it, man. You are a man of many talents, talking about the business side, the music side. But can I say, is it accurate to say you're a DJ? Is that just not I a am. sliver of what you do? It is a sliver, and it's the, the start of what led to a 20-year career. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. I know you you like to keep, like most of us do in the podcast world, we try to keep things uh on track and to the point um i got into the industry around 2002 and how that happened uh i learned to play guitar i learned to play drums uh, my dad was a minister so i played in church 
And I always had a love for music. Always had a love for music. I, I remember the first time I heard U2, the first time I heard Metallica, the first time I heard uh, even Tim McGraw back in the 90s. You know, I, no matter what the format was, I loved it. I just loved music. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I remember I was playing guitar with uh, some friends of mine in a, in a garage band, if you will. And my bassist uh, brother was a DJ and he was on platters. He had the big, remember the big milk crates and he had to drop, oh, yeah. the, drop the wax on the vinyl. He had the, the highlighter points on the vinyl to cue it up and all that stuff. And he was cutting and scratching and doing flares and break beats and stuff. And I just remember sitting there like, that is so freaking cool. I want to learn how to do that. And um, then, <laughs> and then he took me to a couple bar gigs and all the ladies like flocked to him. So me being 19, I'm like, what's that? I need to learn. <laughs> uh, but so he taught me, and that was my first like in into the DJ world. And I remember sitting in my apartment, and an ad came on TV for the Ohio Center for Broadcasting, and it was uh, an ad for uh, it, call it a trade school, but it's college accredited. Uh, to they would teach you the tips and tricks and arts of broadcasting, radio and television. So oh, yeah. At the time, I was going to the University of Cincinnati. I was studying, studying criminal justice, which I, by that point, hated. I didn't want to do that. Uh, but I thought maybe I did. I don't know. And um, so I, I left UC and went to the Ohio Center for Broadcasting and started to learn radio. And I thought to myself, if I can DJ in front of a crowd and select music to make people move and give people a vibe and, and set an atmosphere, then surely I could talk on the radio, right? Absolutely. And, um, Got into radio sh shortly after graduation. Uh, started in country radio, believe it or not. My first gig was uh, country. So I'm, uh, I'm playing, you know, uh, Montgomery Gentry and Keith. Uh, oh, wow. That's a classic country. Yeah. Playing uh, Toby Keith and, and all that stuff. And at this point, I'm doing a lot of weddings, uh, DJing a lot of weddings, that is. A lot of bars, things of that nature. Uh, yeah. And then in 2005, I got hired at my childhood favorite radio station. It was an absolute dream come true. Uh, Q102 Cincinnati, and I worked there for about a year and a half on air, uh, still DJing weddings and bars to make ends meet. And then in 2006, uh, spread my wings and sent out some resumes and landed in Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, worked on a top 40 station there for about 13 years. And in uh, 2010, bringing the entrepreneur side, um, I had spent from 2002 to 2010 working for other people as a DJ. Right. Right. And you probably know this when, when you are a hired gun, you're not making the money, right? No the person who owns the business, the person who's paying the insurance, who's buying the equipment, who's buying the marketing, who's doing all this stuff. They're the ones that's making probably 70, 80% of the money that's coming in. The hired guns only make it a little bit. So, mm -hmm. Good so in 2010, uh, newly married, I went to my wife and I said, I know this is going to cost a little bit of money. But I, I want to start my own business. And that's scary. And I, any entrepreneur, I would say, has that feeling, that moment when you finally decide, I'm going to do this, I could fail miserably. It could be an embarrassment. Uh, it could cost me financially with whatever you put into whatever your business is, how much your equipment costs or anything of that nature. But yeah. I took the gamble. Wait, the wife was okay with it? Or she was like, are you sure? Like, what was that about? At first, she was sketchy. because Yeah, you know, I, I want to do for a living. What's wrong with you? Yeah. So you got to keep in mind, by this point in 2010, radio salaries had really dropped. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we were living in a world where streaming was really starting to take over. Your Spotify's, your Pandora's. 
And at that point in 2010, radio revenue was really starting to feel that pain. You know, the, the advertisers that used to just come naturally now were spending money on iHeartRadio. Now they were spending right. money on Spotify. Now they were spending money on Pandora. And um, it started to impact us as staff members. So I say that to say, you know, I wasn't balling out. I wasn't making a lot of money, you know, and, right. and my wife was new in her career field as well. So the capital, there wasn't a lot there to start yeah. a business. Yeah, so I, I started with a couple of just crappy turntables I found on eBay for like 100 bucks for a pair. That tells you anything about them. They were not, <laughs> they were not good. I right. found a little crappy two-channel mixer on eBay for like 50 bucks. Uh, I found uh, a couple of little high uh, active speakers. What active means is the amplifiers built into the speaker. Uh, I think maybe 500 bucks in both of them. Uh, so 250 a piece. So I, I started this venture for less than a thousand dollars on my own. Oh, wow. And um, I thought, you know, yeah, I'd been doing this almost 10 years to this point. I've been doing a lot of nightclubs. I've been traveling the East coast. I've been opening for uh, major artists at this point in my career. I'd, I'd opened for, uh, uh, Craig Morgan. I had opened for Nick Lachey. I had opened for all these other people, but I didn't think anyone would put Nick Scott in the conversation to, to book. So I told my wife, Hey, if 10 people book me, I'll be happy. And within the first year I was looking at 80 bookings. Oh wow. uh, Yeah. And, uh, it just blew up from there. And of course there was expansion and, and how to, to do it, scale it appropriately and not, you know, blow out, $20,000 a year in new gear, but also, you know, grow it responsibly and, of course, take care of my family. Uh, but to make this long story even longer, no, a little shorter, um, by 2015-ish, my, rate, my DJ service, my business, had started to garner me almost four times what my radio salary was. Right. And at that point, I, I remember sitting there looking at myself like, what am I doing? I'm killing myself. I'm working 50 plus hours a week at the radio station. I'm on the air all the time. And then I'm going out Friday and Saturday night, hustling, doing weddings. I don't have a lot of time to spend with my wife. We have a daughter. So I started to really kind of focus. Okay. I think I need to jump into this DJ thing and write it out. So in 2017, I walked away from uh, being a live radio personality sitting in the studio uh and quotation marks are hilarious yeah live radio personality because <laughs> it's not really live anymore most most times it's what we call voice tracked it's recorded and uh really just focused on my craft as a performer as a dj and i always tell folks you know i'm a performance dj i don't have a playlist in front of me i'm not just press and play uh, i'm using software that you probably know called serato so i'm scratching mm -hmm. i'm mixing i'm actually stacking songs to, to blend, to, to mash up, to create moments where the dance floor is like, oh, crap, you know, I haven't heard that forever, and it pops, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so that really took off, and by that, I got to create mix shows for Pitbull's Globalization on Sirius XM. My favorite I, channel. Love, love those guys, man. They're awesome. Uh, I, I've been able to create mix shows for Club Killers, Club Killers Radio on Mixcloud. Uh, which analytically is the number one DJ podcast in the United wow. States. So I, I get to DJ on there and also for the Kid Craddock Morning Show, the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. So I tell you all this, it was a weird shift to go from radio personality, shifting gears as an entrepreneur, just focusing on my business, my brand, and thinking outside the box, okay, what can I do just outside of being a DJ? You know, outside right. of just setting up turntables and trying to rock a party. And for me, it was 
providing these mix shows. And for those that might not know what a mix show is, it's basically a recording of me DJing for an hour or 20 minutes, what have you, and these radio stations play it. Um, and then in COVID, uh, like yourself, I decided, hey, I got all this equipment. I got all this gear. I've got this experience in radio. Why not start a podcast? Sure. And I started the, uh, it's called the Nick Scott Effect. And that's grown over the last year. I've had some really uh, cool guests on and watched that take off. So it's it's been a crazy 20-year adventure through the DJ world, through the media and broadcasting world, and then the last five in the uh, podcasting world. Yeah. Lots to right, back there. That's a long-winded answer. I'm sorry. There you go. So, okay, so are you originally from Cincinnati or are you from the Kentucky side? I'm originally, you know where Kings Island is? The uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I graduated from Kings High School, Kings Island, Kings High School. We used oh, to be able cool. to sit in our cafeteria and watch the roller coasters go around. And, oh, that's torturous. And we were ticked off. <laughs> we were kids watching. The Same night. here, actually. <laughs> um, not the roller coasters, but for my, my science class in high school, I'm from Brooklyn originally, uh, you can see the, the steeplechase, the parachute jump oh, yeah. at Coney Island. So yeah. in the afternoons, you're kind of like, man, I would love some Nathan's hot dogs or cotton candy. You know? so, so what took you from uh, New York to L.A.? Uh, wow, that is, well, I took a detour. <clears throat> I went to college the first time in Florida because I wanted to get out of my house. I didn't want to go out west because west is too far. And I got my degree in uh, communications and broadcasting because I was going to to do just calm stuff because I originally was going to be a financial analyst in New York. I found media because I had an internship at Citibank where we're cutting what do you call it, industrials, mm -hmm. industrial clips. I was like, oh, man, this is way more, more fun than wearing a tie and dealing with numbers. I was going to be a broadcast person. When I graduated undergrad, I went to Flagler College. Uh, mm -hmm. You can tell. Oh, Flagler College alumni. Woo. Oh, look at that. Represent. Uh, Represent, um, because I was like one of the only twenty black guys there, and one that didn't play basketball. Anyway, so I, <laughs> I had a decision. I was like, I had a job in Miami, where I was gonna work in news and cutting news reports at night, or I wanted to try my hand at filmmaking. That's got me out here in Los Angeles because, frankly, if you know about news, it's really the same thing every day. Hey, your house burned down. How do you feel? He doesn't like it. Back to you in the studio, Jim. You know what I mean? Like this is whatever. So I've been out here in, in L.A. or. So, so Cal, Orange County right. to LA for about 15 years. And doing that, I got into comedy. And as a com as a comedian, I got into uh, the MC work and I applied to a DJ farm or a DJ house or multi-op is what they call them. Because mm -hmm. uh, they were they had DJs for days because it's Los Angeles, but nobody wanted to talk on the microphone for these weddings. So I rolled up there as an MC, said, I don't do the DJ thing. And then lo and behold, I was at a gig where the DJ didn't show up. And I was like, what do I do? And of course, that first gig was just, you know, uh, left, right, <laughs> left, right. But then it was like, okay, look, we have to teach you something because frankly, yeah. that can't happen again. And I was kind of off to the races doing that. And it was a side job for a long time, but I was kicked out of corporate America in 17, Thanksgiving Day. I was fired on Thanksgiving Day, 2017. Wait, why were you working on Thanksgiving Day? Oh, I new. wasn't. I, I wasn't working, uh, but accounts payable was, and they called me up and said, hey, can we confirm your address for your 401k disbursement? I'm like, why are you redisbursing my 401k? And they go, ooh, don't worry about it. <laughs> so I, I got my uh, my call after that saying, hey, look, we're going a different direction. It's a place called Loan Depot. They do mortgages. Yeah. And so it's November. 
No one really hires in December, but you know if you do weddings that November is high engagement season. So I kind of did a quick jump. I was I was actually pushed out, but I decided to jump on my pushed out kind of a thing to make it a business. And so DJ Flobito and therefore New Amsterdam Entertainment's been going since 17 into 18. But uh, but yeah, I came out here to answer your question to do a being a filmmaker. I wanted to be an editor, I wanted to be a producer, not much an actor, anything else but that. But stand up comedy and then emceeing kind of rolled into DJ stuff as well. So that's awesome. That's all. So, would you do a lot of weddings now? A lot of uh, most of them are weddings now. I, I would say, like, a good because they, they pay more. Let's be honest with you, man. Oh, I mean, there's more work. work, more prep work, and especially for emceeing it too to coordinate with the coordinators of venues, insurance, and all that. So, of course, they they demand a premium. So, you get that premium as opposed right. to like bar, a bar show or whatever. But I'm always open. Um, because I was going to ask you this here's my theory when it comes to music theory, when it comes to weddings. When you're at a bar show or a club show, it's like you have to have deep knowledge of like two or three genres, right? Like if you're on urban radio, it's hip hop and R&B, maybe some Latino, maybe some reggaeton, and you're fine. But at weddings, it's the opposite. Like you got to know four or five bangers everywhere. Because if you're if you're mixing rock and someone's like, yo, man, you got that new Cardi B, you got to think, how did I get from there to yeah. there? Thoughts? Yep. Well, for me, you're right. I think it comes with experience over the years. And if you're someone new getting into it, I would just say, do your research on different genres, 80s, 90s, 2000s, uh, because you're you're going to have to play to almost every age group, especially in a wedding setting. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, I look at the, the beats per minute, the BPM, uh, and usually I've got five or six tracks in my prepare window on Serato. What that means is I know, you know, the song you're dancing to, I'm already 10, 15 songs ahead of you because I'm building where I want to go. If it's mm-hmm. into EDM, if it's into 2000s, if it's into new uh, top 40 new hip-hop or even uh, country jams or maybe some sing-alongs, you know, uh, doing like maybe a remix of uh, Panic at the Disco or something, you know, folks are going to sing. So um, yeah. you're right. you got to know five or six bangers. you got to be able to go from Blink-182 and all the small things uh, to uh, All-American Rejects, Dirty Little Secret, maybe over to Up by Cardi B and then uh, uh, some Little John or, or something, you know. So and you got to yeah. be able to blend them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You, you got to be able to blend them. You got to make them pop. Uh, so, so yeah, that's how I, I usually try to read a crowd. First, I'll try to read a client. Like, okay, mm-hmm. what, what kind of crowd do you anticipate to come? It's going to be your college friends, mostly young 20s, mid-20s. Uh, if the couple is in their 30s or 40s and it's their friends that age group, I know they're probably going to love some late 90s hip-hop, some 2000s hip-hop, um, things of that nature. You know, So I try to fill it out and kind of build from, from there. Yeah. How's the the nightlife if if there is any in Charleston? Because that's a city you don't hear much about. No offense, I, I don't have an opinion. It's kind of like no one's like, oh man, no. represent Charleston, y'all, West Virginia. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's like, what's that really like? Uh, I, night in, night out. Uh, it's better than what it was. Uh, side note to that, it's kind of funny. A lot of these big radio programs and things like that when they introduce me, they'll see Nick Scott from West Virginia, and I never correct them. Uh, even though I'm from Ohio and I am from Cincinnati, I, I never correct them because uh, the people of West Virginia, you know, there are a lot of stereotypes out there and almost every one of them is false. And which okay. is to be true of almost any stereotype. Right. Okay. Um, the people here are wonderful. I'm uh, curious. I'm sorry. I'm not again. I don't know much about is the coal miners. Is that, is that the stereotype? So the or? southern part of the state is notorious for coal mining and there still right. is coal mining and coal is still a big economic driving factor here okay uh, over the last 30 40 years really hyped up in the last 10 to 20 they've really tried to adjust because coal is kind of dying away sure which is kind of sad 
so now there's new uh, industry coming in. There's new tech industry coming in, things like that. See, uh, there's an interstate called 64, an interstate called 77, and an interstate called 79. And you can get anywhere on the East Coast with those three highways. Nice. And they all three, the only place, all three of those, that you can go all over the East Coast, the only place all three of those intersect is in Charleston, West Virginia. So if you're going from New York to Florida, New York to North Carolina, Ohio to North Carolina or Virginia or Pennsylvania to Tennessee or whatever, you're coming through Charleston. You have no other way about it. You're coming through Charleston. Right. So with that, they've really tried to try to capitalize on this area as a transportation hub. Uh, they're expanding our, our uh, airport. Our airport is now an international airport. They're actually getting ready to redo the runway so the big, huge jets can land, like Amazon and so forth can have a hub here. Um, same with the trucking. They're trying to do more trucking hubs so, so there's more transportation out of here. So I, I know that's a long-winded answer, but West Virginia is known kind of being, you know, hillbilly, <laughs> coal miners, uh, things like that. Was that once true? Sure. Is that true now? Not at all. Uh, okay. you know, the, the people here are fantastic. Uh, they've been so good to me. Um, they they booked me for their parties. They they listened to me on the I, I had the number one radio show for almost eleven years. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> uh, you know that they, they accepted me, uh, being from Ohio, and uh, my <laughs> wife is from here. My my oh, wife nice. is a West Virginian, so uh, you know she's you know, loving my life and the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. And uh, so so the people are fantastic here. Um, when you say, what's the nightlife like? So when I first got here in 2006, there were two bars. That's it. And the reason yeah. for that was the story I was always told, the mayor at that time, who was an older gentleman, great guy. He did a lot of good things for this city. But being an older gentleman, he didn't like the nightlife. He didn't like the problems that could come with bars. Right? Fair enough. So it was very hard for bars to operate back in those days. And in 2008, a couple opened up a bar called Impulse Nightclub. And somehow, some way, they heard about me. They called me up and asked me to be their resident DJ. And I've asked around. I think this is true. I'm about 95% true. But I was the first DJ on the scene in this area that was rocking turntables and Serato and actually mixing records. The other guys were using programs that were automated. They could push play on a playlist and go. Right. Um, and since then, now there's all kinds of cats around here rocking Serato and turntables. So I like to feel like I had some kind of impression on the. Do you become like Denzel Washington in Training Day? Like, yeah, it's all me. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> no, I tell you what, these guys out here right now, I'm friends with all of them. They, they're they're amazing. The, the talent here is is incredible, uh, and it's awesome to be in this area and have uh, friends and colleagues at, at that talent level. You know what I mean? Uh, here Absolutely. with me. Uh, so, but now there are, I mean, there's a whole district. There's like a whole bar district downtown with nice, nice night spots, uh, different themed. One is a country theme. The other is an Irish, like copper pint type theme. Uh, then you have a, a bar that's maybe for your, uh, professionals, your business professionals that come in after work and it's real nice and kind of fancy. Uh, there's a couple of nightclub spots. It's more your traditional nights, nightclub, you know, all the walls are dark and the ceiling's dark and they got the big strobes and everything um so it's it's really grown we have a new mayor she's younger um and and she's doing a fantastic job but she's more open-minded to like okay you know there's 
there's young people here. We want the young people to stay here and not move, take their college degree and move to Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? Right. We want them to stay here. And what do young folks like to do? They like to go out and have a good time. So it may, and plus brings business and entrepreneurship and tax dollars to the city. So she's open to it. <laughs> That's always good. Yeah. You know, like, cause it's kind of funny when you're in that, uh, that nightlife area, I'm from a hometown, uh, back before I was, uh, uh, born or before I was a twinkle in my dad's eye that had cabaret licenses. You had to like apply for the right to perform yeah. in clubs and bars and stuff. So, wow. uh, well, let's, let's talk about the, a lot of our creatives on these shows who are, have their own business have to do with that balance. I want to see your perspective because you actually work with good times and vibes mm -hmm. about knowing yourself and your talent as a creator and then doing what you're told, right? So oh, you yeah. go to a wedding, you have you know, this dope set in your mind and someone's like, can you play Sweet Caroline for two hours back to back? Uh, how do you reconcile that? Obviously you got to do what you got to do to get paid, but you know, we'll be able to have some fun in your life, right? So what I'll do is I'll uh, rec uh, I'll have a meeting up front with my client, usually the week of. We'll sit down like you and I are. Generally speaking, it's over uh, FaceTime or Zoom or whatever, and I have a, a questionnaire that they fill out online. And in that questionnaire, they'll tell me genres of music that they like, songs that they ask me that definitely need played. Excuse me. And then also a do not playlist, like don't play the chicken dance, right? Um, they always say that. Like, who is playing the chicken dance at these weddings? That's, that's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> so what I'll do is I'll sit down and I'll say, hey, listen, here is in 20 years of doing weddings, and I'm letting a secret go to your, my uh, a personal secret go to your audience. I, I've not really told anyone else this outside of my clients when I give them my spiel. Um, in 20 years of doing weddings, the best uh, flow that I've found to the party, and anyone who DJs understands what the party is. That's after all the formals and dinner's done, all the dances done. And you're just rocking a party. I always tell them, look, I always start older. And what I mean by older, 60s and 70s. Pool in the Gang, Casey and the Sunshine Band, Brick House, Wild Cherry, that type of stuff. Because the first two groups of people that leave a wedding reception are your older guests or your guests with real little kids, toddlers and infants. So they're usually the first ones out the door. So by playing something older, I hope that they've heard something that they could get out to the dance floor and enjoy or just enjoy at their table, wherever they're at. Um, and as the night goes on, generally, I move younger. So I'll move into some 80s with Michael Jackson, into some 90s with Salt and Peppa and, and uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot, uh, into some 2000s with Florida and Usher, uh, into 2010s, Black Eyed Peas and Drake, so on and so forth. Um, but I always tell them, listen, it's your show. I'll play whatever it is you want me to play. And if they want Sweet Caroline back-to-back, -back, so be it. But I'll give my professional opinion that that's not going to work and everyone's going to leave within five minutes. <laughs> and, and you're going to be stuck with me there for two hours, three hours, with an empty dance floor going. <laughs> you're not like right. You know what I mean. Right, so, right. And, and most of my clients will take my professional opinion uh, of seeing this over the years and say, look, I, I understand what works, and this is what's going to work. Sweet Caroline back-to-back -back for two hours is not going to work. Everyone's going to leave. And you're going you're gonna to pay all this money to go until 11 o'clock, and at 9.30, it's ghost town. You know, so let me do what I know I can do with your guidance. Tell me the types of music that you like, the genres of music that you like. Look, I can mix an hour-long set of country and rock. That's too easy. I can play Bon Jovi and, and Garth Brooks and everything for an hour, make people dance and sing and drink beer, no problem. Uh, but just give me that guidance and then let me, you were talking about having the create, being creative, 
while taking direction. Let me take your direction and then let me be a creative and create with that direction. That's good advice for any genre or any kind of segment uh, you may be listening to. Uh, well, I'm a little jealous of you, Nick Scott, because because I'm in my car, right? I, I named my car Drake, by the way, because uh, it's it was I have a Ford Edge and it was made in Canada, so I call it Drake. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and, I, and, and I got Sirius XM, favorite channel. Channel 13, Pitbull's Globalization to be the best mix of old, new, all these genres, deep cuts, digging the crates. And you were featured on that channel. Talk about how you got to be linked with them. But was there any pressure when someone's like, yo, Dolly, we need an hour for our channel? Without question. So right now, I've got a mix scheduled for Club Killers Radio. Again, that is the number one, analytically number one DJ podcast on Mixcloud. I've done four or five episodes for them before over the last two years. But uh, I have a mix that's set to release December 26th, the day after Christmas is when they have me scheduled uh, for this one. And I've got a few things lined out, but every time I like pull up Serato and pull up some of my stuff here, I always get butterflies. And of course I'm critiquing the transitions and stuff like you do as a creative, you always kind of, I guess you're all worst critic, but yeah. So how, how that happened somewhere around 2000, 15, I think it was 2016. Uh, I got an email, a random email from a guy who said, Hey man, your website's killer. Uh, your photos, your videos on YouTube, your photos on your website, your, your Facebook and Instagram are amazing. I'm putting a team of DJs together and all we're going to do is DJ events, but more specifically, we're going to do hour or half hour long sets on various radio stations across the United States. Would you be interested? Well, first, I thought it was a joke. I was like, that, that's too good to be true. This is a scam. Someone's trying to get money out of me or something. And yeah. uh, he sent another one a couple weeks later. Hey, man, did you get my previous email? It was a gentleman by the name of Mike Morse. If you listen to Channel 13, you've probably heard him. He's on there quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, at the time, he was working on RadioDJs.com. The, the website's still there. And uh, they brought me on. Well, Mike got to know a few of the DJs that, help Sirius XM with Pitbull's globalization. And through my connection with Mike and my friendship to him, me and him became very close. He's still one of my closest friends in the industry. Uh, came that opportunity. He is, I have to give Mike Morris the credit. He's the guy that uh, introduced me to Kid Craddock Morning Show. He's the guy that introduced me to Ricky Smiling Morning Show. He's the guy that put me on uh, 90, I think it was 98.9 in, um, oh, not Austin, Texas. I can't think of the, uh, San Antonio. Mm -hmm. uh san antonio texas uh and he's also the guy that that introduced me to the guys at sirius xm so uh mike morris has been uh an amazing friend to me in this industry and he he was connected to all the right people and was i was lucky enough i guess through just being his friend for him to uh connect me to those people but when you sit and think about okay i've I've dj'd in front of a thousand people two thousand people like live I've talked in front of thousands of people on air. I can do that stuff with my eyes closed. I get, I, I mean, I'll get butterflies every once in a while, but anymore, not, not a lot. And I don't say it in any way with any ego. It's just, you do it so much. It gets normal. No, I, I got you. When I sit down to do stuff like that, that I know is going global and anyone could listen to that, that has a Sirius XM receiver in their car anywhere in the world, or can pick up their phone and go to an app and pull it up and listen to it. Yeah, I get nervous as crap. <laughs> well, how do you deal with the self-doubt? I mean, I heard self-doubt like a bodybuilder. You could take a shower, but it doesn't go away. So how do you deal with that, my friend? 
You know, that is a fantastic question. And, and just off the top of my head, there's about 500 answers that come to mind. But one thing that, that I know to be, there's a saying that says, what you know to be true. You need to focus on what you know to be true. Not rumors, not what this person says or that person says. That's just a life quote. So focus on what you know to be true. What I do know to be true is I've put a lot of work into this. Uh, I, I've spent many hours trying to, to learn music, to learn scratches and techniques and beat mixing and, and what flows with this, so forth. So I just try to, to rely that I know that I put the work in. I know that I've gained the knowledge to, to do this to, and to do it fairly well. Um, so I just tell myself, hey, you're in this position for a reason. You've put the work in. You've busted your tail. You know what you're doing. You know, you've not put out a mix or a record that anyone's come back to you and said, this is a dumpster fire. I've never had that <laughs> knock on wood. So when I start to have that self-doubt, I just tell myself, what do I know to be true? I know I've put the grind in. I, I know I've got the knowledge. So I just need to push through. And usually when I push through to the other side, uh, I have a product that I'm pretty proud of. Quick side question because I suck at transitions. Thoughts on the Bose L1s, man? Are you a fan? I haven't messed with them. Okay, cool. I didn't no, know my, who you were. I, my, I, didn't, my, I didn't know. Yeah. My current rig is uh, I've got the uh, Rain 72 and the Rain, uh, 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 what's the, the Rain 12s? I was nice. on techniques forever, ever, 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 the, the 1200s. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the speaker system, this is the actual. What did you say, Bose? Yeah. So right now my speakers are RCF uh, Evox 12s and Evox 8s, what I have in the trailer now. Dope. Uh, personally, I do the uh, ZLX 15s. Uh, oh, nice. myself. Yeah. Uh, if all else fails, go with the German engineering. Uh, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the next guy effect, man. Uh, yeah. Podcasting, there's literally 400,000 podcasts in the United States alone. There's Ooh. only one being hosted by yourself. Talk mm -hmm. to me about well, the launch of that. What's that been like for you as a podcast host? So it came out of COVID. Um, you know, we're sitting here in March, April of 2020 and you know, the world's upside down at that point, six we, weeks we, tops. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Six weeks tops. Just flatten <laughs> the curve, right? Flatten the curve. <laughs> flatten the curve. Um, and it was probably worse where you're at in California, you know, mm -hmm. at least here in West Virginia. Um, uh, I don't get into politics a lot. I like to try to be kind of centered, but it seems like over here we were a little bit more lax, not so quick to over, um, What's what I'm looking for? Like over uh, compensate. <laughs> well, the balance is that we could buy liquor and booze from like CVS. So I just pulled my necessity. My apartment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> necessity. Um, but so, so I was sitting here and this space I'm in here in my basement. Uh, what was here was just like storage. Like it was a catch all. And I had all this gear. I had this studio microphone. Um, I had some different speakers at the time. I had this boom arm. I had a few other things, and, and I got to thinking, like, you know, I did terrestrial radio as a personality for 15 years. I'm still doing these other radio things, but I'm not talking as, like, a talent. You know what I mean? And I, there are days I miss that. I don't miss the paycheck, but there are days <laughs> that I miss that. And I uh, decided I was going to make a DJ podcast. And if you look at the first, like, 15 episodes of the Nick Scott Effect, it's all DJ friends of mine right here in Charleston. I was talking about the extremely talented guys I'm lucky to be friends with here in this area. They're like 15 or 16 episodes of the Nick Scott effect. The very first ones are those guys. Yeah. And um, so I was having them on like you and I just talking DJ shop. We were talking about 
what we were going through at that time in the pandemic, which is crazy. I went back and listened to some of those episodes of what we were going through then. It's crazy to, to go back and listen to, to that, you know, now. Um, but also, like, their, their journey as a DJ. It was a very DJ-centered podcast. And I quickly realized no one listened to it. <laughs> I quickly realized. I don't know if I suck or what, but nobody listened to it. So right. I, uh, I kind of paused it for about eight months. And, yeah. uh, and one day, I forget where I was, back in June of this year, I was somewhere. I can't remember. Someone came up to me and go, hey, what happened to that podcast of yours? And I was like, oh, you listened. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, man. That just stuck with me for like weeks. Like, man, people actually were listening to that, you know? And uh, again, go back to the beginning of this episode. I talked to my wife. Can I spend some money? And uh, <laughs> bought all this gear and uh, kicked it off. And I, I, I always say I, I'm very open about it. I draw a lot of inspiration from Joe Rogan from mm -hmm. the aspect of he doesn't have a niche. He's not true crime. He's not um, just like an entrepreneur business podcast. He's not just he's not pigeonholed into one genre. So I made my podcast when I restarted it. I'm just going to have cool people like you on. I'm going to have an open com conversation about their life, whatever that may be. Because here's the thing about us as humans. We all have a story. Right. Every single one of us has an experience in this life. And it intrigues me to hear different people's stories through life, no matter if they're an actor or a musician or a DJ or a politician or whatever they may be. Um, so when I restarted it, that's what I went after. I just went after anyone who wanted to come on and talk about their journey through life. And uh, I've done 20 episodes since June, and I've got four more scheduled out. I dropped one today. Uh, I've had uh, some aspiring artists on. There's a, a girl by the name of Kate Boytek. She's really blowing up in Nashville right now in the country scene. Nice. I've had uh, Sahaj Tikatin on. He's the lead singer of a band called Ra. They were really big in the early 2000s and mid-2000s. Um, I've had uh, Chase Mitchell on. He was just featured on CMT with a, a, a new song that he released to country radio, and he's blowing up and doing wonderful things. Uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, I had a TikToker on that I found on TikTok. So I grew up, a side note, I grew up a preacher's kid. Um, right. I mentioned that. Um, when I turned 18, I left the church and wanted nothing to do with it. I was oh, what wow. I call what I call church hurt. And, okay. and I didn't want anything to do with church for 22 years. Well, this past Easter, I started going back to church with my family and refound my faith. And I'm not trying to get all religious on you, but reconnected, reconnected my life to Christ. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I found this TikToker who was an evangelist who traveled preaching, but has deconverted. And now he has a TikTok telling people that the Bible and the story of Christ is a huge lie. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I found that insanely intriguing how you could go from being an evangelist to now you're telling everyone it's a joke. It's a hoax. Right. So I had him on. His name's Justin Best. And we had an almost two hour long conversation about me as kind of a similar path, but reconnecting my faith. And now him kind of over here deconverting. And it, it, was, a, it was a great conversation. Yeah, also uh, challenging yourself. It seems that yeah. you challenge your own faith with someone through someone else. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, the 
the episode I released today is with my friend Woody Woods. He's a local radio DJ as well. We competed against each other for years, and he's a DJ as well. He, he spins on ones and twos, and uh, we yeah. just talked about our linear path as competitors at two competing radio stations, <laughs> which was kind of cool. Uh, and then tomorrow, believe it or not, I'm recording a podcast that I, I hope to release next week uh, with the Adjutant General of the West Virginia National Guard. What that means is he is the top-ranking military officer for the entire state of West Virginia. Hmm. And uh, I'm going to have him on and talk about the National Guard, uh, his path, again, his story. We all have a story. How did you start as a recruit or, or what have you and make your way through this illustrious military career to becoming the adjutant general, the, the leader of the, the national guard. And, uh, and, and so I, it, the podcast has really just turned into me just having conversations with anyone and everyone, uh, uh, and just hearing their story hearing their life. And that, that's what really intrigues me. Yeah. I mean, you, you cited Joe Rogan as an inspiration. So I, I expect 2000 episodes, uh, but it's all, <laughs> all said and done. I'm on a walker. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> we got this. We got 300 to go. We got to go. Uh, thank you so much for being the show, but before I get you out of here, I got some quick questions I want to ask. I got all the time in the world, brother. You know how it is, but you can't like our fans got to be left wanting more. I want to have part two with this guy. We can do, do part two anytime you want. Do time two. Yeah. Uh, is, is, do you believe in the dream? And if so, what is it? So when I went to the Ohio Center for Broadcasting in 2002, and it's funny, I had him on my podcast. This gentleman's name is Dave Linehan. At the time, he was the dean of our school, the principal, if you will. He was in charge of the whole thing when I was a student there. And almost every morning, he would come into our class and open up the day's instruction before the instructors took over. And he would always leave us with this quote, passion, live the dream. And he'd walk out like a mic drop. <laughs> passion, live the dream. And he would say that every day, passion, live the dream. And that is etched into my mind in almost literally everything that I do. And because whether it's music production, DJ production, podcasting, voiceovers, live DJ, I'm passionate about all of these things. Every single one doesn't intrigue me or interest me more than the other. They're all awesome to me. And I'm passionate about each of them. So when you're passionate about something, it comes easy to dive in and want to learn and want to grow and want to become better. So you were talking about the dream. The dream for me started off with just wanting to do something that worked in music, whether that be a guitarist or touring in a band or whatever. And then it became a DJ, which I never saw coming. And right. the DJ thing I thought was just going to get me through college. And once I got into radio, I would never do it again. Well, what I later learned was DJ became my passion, not radio personality. Um, so the dream has evolved over the years. It evolved to, to becoming a radio personality. Then it evolved to becoming an entrepreneur and having a successful business. 2013, my daughter comes along. So then it's like being a, a great father and, and becoming a, a, a provider and having a, a sound, solid business and business model that can provide for my family. And in 2018, my son came along. So now I have a daughter and a son. So the dream over the last 20 years has, has really evolved. Now my dream is at 40 years old and doing this for 20 years. I started when I was 20. 
how much longer do I have in the game as a live DJ? Maybe 10, 15 years, you know, maybe. So when I hang up the headset and I put the turntables away for good, I want, if people remember Nick Scott, that they remember, like, I, I worked hard, I tried hard, I did the best I could. At every performance, I gave 110%. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't a slacker. Um, and when I do the podcast, it's intriguing. People want to listen. People are engaged. Um, and and when, I'm, when I walk away from it, my family's secure. My family's taken care of. Uh, my family is financially sound. And I can walk away from a career going, that was a hell of a lot of fun. And I left maybe a positive legacy. So that's the dream now. <laughs> well, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, you are a hardworking man. What do you do when there's a day off? Do you believe in day offs? And how do you celebrate? So that? I had a day off yesterday. Tell me more. I spent yesterday crawling around my roof, hanging Christmas lights. What the? <laughs> <laughs> that is not a day off, sir. <laughs> putting, hanging up Christmas decorations in the front yard. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't really get a day off. Uh, we did go to Winston-Salem, North Carolina this past weekend. It's only about three hours from me. We took our kids on a Polar Express train ride. So technical day off, we'll travel, we'll go somewhere, we'll take the kids to sightsee, we'll go to Gatlinburg, we'll go uh, maybe somewhere here around West Virginia to, to sightsee or back home to Cincinnati to see friends and family. Uh, or a, a, a day trip, like I just mentioned, to North Carolina to to do stuff as a family, you know, uh, what breaks my heart is one day my, my littles are going to be out of the house and grown, and I want right. those memories. So in my days off, I really try to push everything aside as far as work and business because you know this as a business owner, it's 24-7. There is no oh. 9 to 5. Yeah. So as a family man, you got to learn to, okay, I can deal with this tomorrow. Today, it's about my wife and my son and my daughter and having that family. Yeah, before the more about the house, the kids are going to be that weird dad. You're embarrassing me phase that comes first. I heard. <laughs> I don't have kids of my own. That's what I hear. <laughs> I haven't got to that point yet, but I hope it's coming because I tell you what, if she tells me I'm embarrassing her, she's in for it because I'm really got to lead in. Yeah, exactly. You how about this? Uh, and, and lastly, we ask this is everyone on the show, so this is kind of like you're in the family now. Uh, Nick Scott, what is your favorite junk food good, sir? Chocolate. Any guy chocolate? Oh, just, just it, uh, dude, I'm a fiend for chocolate. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I can eat dark chocolate, like milk chocolate, uh, Kit Kats, Hershey bars, you name it, man. I, I just, I've always, you know, it's funny. I, I mentioned this uh, on air a couple of times. I could never again go through a fast food joint, <clears throat> excuse me, a fast food restaurant. I could never eat fast food again another day in my life, and it wouldn't bother me. But if you yeah. took chocolate and like candy bars and stuff like that from me, it would crush my soul. What's your candy bar then? That is the biggest question. You know, lately it's been um, the white chocolate Kit Kats or the white chocolate Hershey bars, with the little almonds in them. Okay, yeah. Why not? Respect. Yeah. And <laughs> life hack, if you take either one of those, the, the white chocolate Kit Kat or the white chocolate uh, Hershey bar and break off a piece in the morning and put it in your coffee and let it melt, thank <laughs> you later. <laughs> Thank this man has added calories to my coffee. Nick Scott, it's man. So good. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on New Am Sam Marino. Now's the time I gotta say you gotta put everything over, brother. If someone's to connect with you, they want to book you, they want to say where's the latest mixes, how to go about doing that. So DJNickScott.com is my website. Uh, we've been rebuilding it here in the last month. Hopefully, whenever your listeners are checking this out, it's it's done. 
but we've been uh, completely rebuilding it from start to finish. And in the website, we, we're trying to streamline it. So if you want to check out the podcast, it's too easy. If you want to look at my DJ services and the, the uh, services that I offer from weddings or events or charity events, private parties, nightclubs, things like that, you got to click one button. Uh, if you want to see photos, uh, click one button. If you want to be check out my YouTube channel, which has performances and podcast episodes on there, it's one button. Um, so we're really trying to make DJNickScott.com a very simple, easy to use, one click away to check out all my mixes that are on broadcast. You know, we were talking about SiriusXM and uh, Kid Craddock and all these other uh, radio outlets. Um, my Mixcloud, my link to my Mixcloud is out there. If you're not familiar with what Mixcloud is, it's what we as DJs use to put our mixes up so you can listen to them while you're working out or in your car. Um, and, and so it'll all be there at DJNickScott.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook at DJ Nick Scott. Uh, it's the only social media I have that I have that cool little blue check mark that I have. That, <laughs> that counts. That counts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Instagram at DJ Nick Scott, Twitter at DJ Nick Scott, uh, TikTok at DJ Nick Scott. Uh, so yeah, check me out there and, uh, man, and kudos to you brother for getting out there. You know, this is what I love to see. This is what I talk about on my podcast. I love seeing people that we have this story in life. Your story, you told me there were spidered out so many different ways. You could have done all these different things. You could have yeah. went a hundred different avenues and you're like, you know what? I'm going to make this work. I don't know how I'm going to make this work, but I'm going to make this work. And you sat down, you're putting the work in, you're putting the grind in and you're making it work. So pat on your back, my friend. You're, you're, well, thank you're you, Simon. It's a lot to me, brother, because yeah. entrepreneurship ain't easy. That's all we get together, comm commiserating. Uh, shout out to Blue check marks without actually paying for them. That's a new flex. DJ Nick Scott <laughs> will put all the social media links in the comments below. This new Amsterdam Radio podcast for careers. $8 a month. <laughs> <laughs>